Making it in business isn't about spreadsheets, this or that. It's about guts, tenacity, and above all, street smarts. Join Sarah Shaw as she talks with successful entrepreneurs about all the hard-won lessons they've learned on the mean streets of the business world. If you've ever felt stuck, stifled, or even just scared to get out there and make your mark, you'll learn how even the most successful entrepreneurs overcame failure and found the power to move forward. So forget about learning about business in school, because all you need to make it big is a street smart MBA. And here's your host, Sarah Shaw. Hey there, it's Sarah Shaw, and welcome to my next episode of A Street Smart MBA. And I'm here with Mike McCallowitz today. And by his 35th birthday, Mike McCallowitz had founded and sold two multi-million dollar companies. Confident that he had the formula to success, he then became an angel investor and proceeded to lose his entire fortune. But then he started all over again, driven to find a better ways to grow healthy, strong companies. And among other innovative strategies, Mike created the Profit First Formula, which we're going to talk about today, which is a way for businesses to ensure profitability from their very next deposit forward. Mike's now running his third million-dollar venture, is a, small, a former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal, is the former MSNBC business makeover expert, and is a popular keynote speaker on innovative entrepreneurial topics and superstar places like Harvard, eBay, and Princeton, and of course is the author of four books, Surge, Profit First, which we're going to talk about today, The Pumpkin Plan, and The Entrepreneurial Cult Classic, The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, which was his very first book. And of course, Mike, you are such a super rock star. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. And you have, a, you have such a pleasant voice that as you're saying, he was an angel investor and then lost all his money. I'm like, oh, that's so nice of him. <laughs> it felt so pleasant. <laughs> it was such a nightmare. Oh, it was such a nightmare. Don't yeah, do it. I, yeah, I, I advise yeah. against it too. I'm with you on that one. Um, yeah. so, um, so, hey, so you've written a bunch of books, right? Which, mm-hmm. of course, I'm so admirable. admire you about because I'm trying to get my book proposal done and it's just like pulling teeth and I wish I could actually go to the dentist instead. Uh, (laughs) And I hate the dentist. So so I want to talk about profit first because I love that idea. I think it's really important for people to utilize it. I, of course, have used it myself with great success and Mm -hmm. I just think it's a really amazing process. So let's just talk about like the philosophy of it and kind of how you came up with it. Well, I'll start off how I came up with it in that case. Uh, it, it, was this, it was my own awakening to my own financial woes, and then there was also a statistic I heard that just knocked me over. My own woes were I was growing these businesses, and, and you were kind in the bio to, to reference some of them, and they were making money, meaning I was making sales, but I wasn't taking money, and I didn't really appreciate the difference between the make money and take money part. Mm-hmm. Make money means money flows in the business, but taking is where you actually capture some for yourself, either as a salary to yourself or owner's, uh, an owner's pay, or you take it as a profit distribution. But these businesses didn't take anything. Uh, I didn't take anything for myself. And interestingly, as they grew bigger, the businesses actually consumed more money. Uh, once I passed uh, a couple million with one of my companies, my payroll was getting to a size where if I didn't land a project that month, and it happened at times, I had to refinance my house I did it on two occasions just to cover payroll for a month. Yeah, and yeah, and it's it's a mess of stress. It's the worst, the worst experience. And so I thought I was alone. That was the 
thing. I said, okay, I, I got issues, but they're my issues. And then I heard a report from the SBA um, that said 83% of small business, and I believe there's about 25 million small businesses in the U.S., they are defined by companies that do 25 or $26 million in revenue or less. So that's, that's definitely my business. I suspect everyone listening in has a company that does $25 million or less in annual revenue. That's, 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 the, most, that's the makeup of our country and the globe. Right. And of these businesses, the SBA said 83% are surviving only check by check, meaning if they don't get that deposit, they have to refinance their house to cover payroll, and they can't do it two months in a row. They're out of business. We're all just treading water, and it's constant stress. So what, that was the aha moment that very few businesses are really profitable, and it's the rare exception that they are sustainably profitable year in, year out, month in, month out. So at first I'm like, what's wrong with us? Like if you think about it, Sarah, you, myself, everyone listening in is smart enough, capable enough, driven enough to start a business, attract customers, collect revenue, deliver our products and our services to do all, like we do thousands of things right, but we can't figure out this last part, profit. You know, is there a chunk of our brain missing? And that's impossible. It feels like it sometimes. <laughs> it, it does feel that way. Yeah. But, and, but, and that's what I thought, but it's, it's impossible. We get so many things right, one little piece wrong. And then I came across, for me, which was the epiphany, and I think for other folks who, who are discovering profit first, I hope they feel the same way, is there's nothing wrong with us. The formula that's been shoved down our throat is fundamentally flawed. It, it's the basic formula. It's called GAP, by the way. And uh, logically, it makes sense. It's, it's a good formula from a logical standpoint, but from how we behave, it's horrible. The formula is sales minus expenses equals profit. And logically, it makes sense. You have to sell stuff. You have to pay the expenses to pay for that stuff and to sustain the business. And whatever's left over goes to you. But here was my realization. From a behavioral standpoint, we is the worst. That formula is the worst because whatever comes last gets ignored. It's like if, if you or I were sick and, and you, you go to the hospital and you come out of the hospital, you don't say, I'm finally going to put my health last. You say, I'm going to put my health first. Yeah. What, what's priority comes first. And in that formula, sales minus expenses is first. So sales, which is you know, selling anything to anybody, and expenses, we don't like to use that word. We prefer to use the word grow. So we sell and we try to grow or reinvest. We sell and we try to grow. And we get stuck in what's first, and the last profit never comes. It's, always a, it's a kick the can down the road game, maybe next year, maybe the year after, but it never happens now, and that's what needs to happen. We need to have profit baked into our business now. I agree. So how do we do it? <laughs> okay, yeah. <clears throat> we flip the formula, and then we capture our behavior. So let me tell you about flip the formula first, and then, and then we'll talk about our behaviors. What we do is do a whole new formula that is simple. It's sales minus profit equals expenses. Now, if, if you are good at math, you know that flipping variables, just like we did there, expenses and profit, by flipping them over, mathematically has no impact. So the numbers are actually identical. The variables work the same. But the impact is significant because now our behavior is addressed. If we say sales minus profit equals expenses, in practice, I'm saying every time you have a sale, immediately and first, take your profit out, and then what's left over is for your expenses. And now what happens is 
we are doing the pay yourself first principle. We, we know this works in our private lives. Pay yourself first. We are now applying it to our business lives. And the money that's left over, the expenses, we have to run our business around that. Now, l let me tell you a little bit about your behavior, my behavior, everyone on this globe's behavior. Because if you understand this principle I'm about to share, you can master money management and become profitable literally starting today. What it is, there's a behavioral law called Parkinson's Law. Uh, by the way, this has nothing to do with Parkinson's disease. This is a different person. Northcote Parkinson, he's a philosopher, uh, was studying human behavior, and he noticed that in Economics 101, we have the supply and demand curve. And in Economics 101, they say the more demand there is for something, that supply automatically increases to meet that demand. I'm sure you've heard of that mm -hmm. before. More, mm -hmm. more demand, more su supply comes about. Northcote studies our behavior and says, no, no, that's not how human beings are wired. It's actually the opposite. It's human behavior that as supply increases, meaning something is more available, our demand actually increases to meet the supply. And, and a classic example would be like food. Like if, if you serve up a, a small uh, plate of food, a very tiny plate of food, maybe with like three pieces of sushi. You and I went out for sushi recently, so it's on my mind. Right, um, yeah. <laughs> Like, I'm not saying three rolls of sushi. I'm saying like three, three pieces, pieces of a sushi roll. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's your, your meal. Well, guess what? We will eat, we'll eat three rolls. Now, if we serve up, I'm sorry, there's three pieces. If we serve up roll after roll after roll, we will eat way more. We'll eat more than those three pieces. We'll eat ten. We'll, we'll eat until we're stuffed because it's available. So our consumption changes to meet the supply. And... This isn't just kind of like uh, a theory or a, a, just a quirky example. There's been studies about the American diet. The, the plates in the U.S., the size of the serving plates we used to use 200 years ago. This is you know, George Washington's time, 250 years mm -hmm. ago. Yeah, uh, I they were read about this. They yeah. were half the size they are today. Yeah, right. And, so, and humans haven't changed. So those plates back then were being served fully. And then, as mom always told us, eat what's on your plate. So you eat everything off of it. But our plates have doubled, therefore our servings have doubled, and our caloric intake has doubled because we're eating what's on there. So that's Parkinson's law. And here, here's how it works for profit. When you have one bank account at your bank, most entrepreneurs – revert to what's called bank balance accounting. Actually, if you have 100 accounts, it doesn't make a difference. Most of us revert to bank balance accounting. What bank balance accounting is, is instead of reading the income statement and the balance sheet and the cash flow statement, tying them in together, running key metrics like the OCR, which is the operating cash ratio, KPIs, our key performance indicators, and setting a budget, doing all those things, which I suspect no one listening does that. I, I, no. I, I sure as hell, I've been, I've been studying this stuff now because I'm devoting my life to it for two years, I still can't pull that stuff off. I, I, I yeah. still can't read a cash flow statement properly. But our, <laughs> you know, our accountants and bookkeepers say to do that. So right. what do we do is we revert to our natural behavior, which is to log into our bank account, see the balance in the bank account, and then make gut-based decisions. If there's a lot and of jump money... Jump for joy there, when like, there's a lot of money, right? Yes! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's big deposit. And it's funny, if a big deposit comes in today to your business, Sarah, and I say, hey, how's business going? the natural response is to say, it's great. Like, right. things are really good right now. 
But, yeah, good. Christmas is coming, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got money. But if I called you a week from now and you, you had to pay all your bills and there's zero in there and I ask you how's business doing, you'd say, oh, I'm really down right now. I need to sell desperately. I got nothing. Now, the funny thing is only one week has transpired and our business goes from it's amazing to it's horrible. So we have mm -hmm. these peaks and valleys. And that's a result of bank balance accounting, looking at our bank accounts and then making a judgment. Now, what accountants and bookkeepers have tried to teach us is read our financial statements, read our financial statements, ignore your bank. And what I found is we can't ignore a bank. So instead of ignoring it, we need a system that works with how, what we're already doing. And that's what Profit First does. It leverages Parkinson's Law. We talked about it. It leverages the pay yourself first principle. And it leverage, leverages another thing called the envelope system, something that uh, someone, I'm sure someone in your family did. My mother did it. And what would happen is my mom with the envelope system, she worked part-time for a local manufacturer. When she would get pay for that week, she put a portion of the money will go into the mortgage uh, envelope. My father and my mother put some money in there. Another would go into the envelope for food. Another one for give back to the community. Another one for um, just fun money. And what was interesting is when she went food shopping, she would take the food envelope, go to the food store, and then open the envelope at the store, and she always had enough money for food. Now, don't get this confused. It doesn't mean she always had the same amount of money. She always had right. enough money. And you know, some weeks she was sick and she didn't work full-time. She got partial pay. Other times she worked overtime, there was more pay. So the percentage always stayed consistent, but the dollar figure going in would change because how much was going into the envelope. And she would then make do with what she had. So if it was a little bit of money in there, that week it was you know rice and beans and usually a lot more rice. <laughs> and <laughs> if, she, if she had a lot of money uh, or more money, it would be, well, actually it was horrible. My mother's German, so it was oh. liverwurst. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is liver, which, you know, if you don't speak German, that means liver sausage. I mean, it is yeah. <laughs> the most vile food on this planet. Um, my sister and I would actually beg her not to work just so we could avoid the liverwurst right. experience. Right. We'll live on the rice and beans. <laughs> yeah, the rice and beans are okay, yeah. Mom. We love them. Yeah, we love it. We love it. But the lesson was that she always worked with what was in that envelope. Mm -hmm. And here's how it applies to our business. I am telling you, do not change a thing about bank balance accounting. If you log into your bank account once a month, once a week, once a day, once an hour to see what your balance is, this is your biggest ally. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to set up multiple accounts. And I found that uh, there's, there's five core accounts or five foundational accounts we need to set up. In fact, I just I was telling you offline, I just revised my book, Profit First. There's now a revised and expanded edition being released through Penguin, and it's, it's on Amazon and all that. And um, what I did is I went back to uh, hundreds of companies that had implemented Profit First and said, how do we simplify this even further? And these five foundational accounts now we're calling them was the consistent savior or the consistent key element that made Profit First successful for all these companies. Here's the five accounts you need to set up. First account is called an income account. I'll tell you what each one means in a second. Second one is called profit. Okay. Third is called an owner's pay. Fourth is called tax. And fifth and final is the operating expenses. Now, here's how it works. The income plate, let's go back kind of to the food example. The income plate, if you will, is a serving tray. Just like Thanksgiving, 
you put a nice beautiful turkey on that serving tray, you do not tell your family and friends, hey, just dive in, everyone just eat off the serving tray, you know, yeah. uh, let's go crazy. You No, what you do is you carve the turkey, you apportion it to each person. So each person gets a piece of it and you ensure that everyone gets uh, a fair share uh, of turkey. Well, <clears throat> that's what the income plate will act like. All we do is put deposits into that account as we make sales. And on a regular basis, we transfer the money from that serving tray to the different accounts, the remaining four accounts, based upon predetermined percentages. All right, here's what the other four are. Profit, we talked about profit is for uh, compensation for you, the owner of the business, for having the courage to start the business in the first place. You are an equity owner. You took on significant risk, so to speak. Right. And because you and you, and you took equity in. This is a bonus for taking on that risk. So any equity owners in your business, yourself, or your, um, maybe you have other partners in your business, they get a share of profit. That's what the profit account is. Owner's pay is different. That's the next account. Owner's pay is for the owners that who also work inside the business. So that's called an owner-operator. You own the business. You're rewarded for having the courage of starting it. Secondly, you operate the business, meaning you're an employee of that business. So we reserve a percentage of the money for your owner's pay to make sure that you receive consistent compensation because, quite frankly, you are the best employee the company has. It's mm -hmm. easy to say, you know, Jody or John or Jane, you know, all these people, they're great, but who works like you? through the night, sacrifice, and I'm actually talking about you, Sarah, because we, we worked together yeah. for so long. I yeah. know you worked through the night. You sacrificed family. You've done insanely incredible things to support your family and your life uh, and your children, and you've done all of this at times without being paid for it. You, right. you do amazing things to keep, that, that's the definition of the world's greatest employee, amazing work and willing to do it for free. So that's who you are, and here's what we're going to do. You're never, again, going to do it for free. We are going to ensure you're compensated like truly the best employees should be compensated. So we reserve your pay. Next one, tax. At the end of the year or at the end of the quarter, taxes are due, and so many entrepreneurs panic. Then they say, oh, my gosh, I have X number of dollars due. I totally forgot. And then they pull from their own savings to pay taxes. But we, quite frankly, we started our businesses for financial freedom. We started right. our businesses – so shouldn't the business just pay our taxes for us? Heck and yeah. the answer is, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> or heck yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. If we want to go PG-13, yeah. it's hell yeah. 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 <laughs> so heck yeah. And so what the business will do is reserve a percentage of every sale, uh, all the revenue comes in, for your taxes. And when that tax bill comes, the company is paying it on your behalf. And, and some people say, but Mike, I have an S-Corp or a C-Corp. My taxes are taken right out of my paycheck. How can my company pay for it? In those scenarios, the company just reimburses you for the taxes that come out of your check. No matter what, the end responsibility of the tax is the company now, not you anymore. And then the final and last component is the operating expenses. This is what you run your business from. And if we go through the percentages real quick, they vary based upon the size company you have and so forth. So I'm just going to give you an example. These are not hard and fast. But for some companies, they'll allocate about 10% to profit. If it's a smaller business, they'll uh, maybe doing less than a million but over 500000 They'll allocate about 25% to the pay of the owner, another 15% to operating expenses, and then the remaining, 30, the remaining 50% to operating expenses. So, so you said 15% for taxes? Yeah. Yeah, 10% yeah. for profit. 
25% mm -hmm. for owner pay, 15% yep. for taxes, which remember, this is the tax liability of the owner of the business. So this is like your right. personal income tax. So it's, you know, it's a chunk of money. Mm -hmm. And so if you run the numbers now, here's how it works. $1,000 comes in as sales, we'll say. $100 now gets allocated to profit off of that serving tray. We put 100 to profit. Uh, $250 goes to pay the owner. $150 goes in as reserved for tax, and $500 is available for operating expenses. And just by doing this, just by allocating out to the different envelopes, we instantly see by doing what we normally do, log into our bank account, we see how much money is available for what purpose. So instead of us saying, oh, I have $1,000 to spend because I have $1,000 in sales, you realize I have $500 to operate my business on. And now you have to find a way to run your business just as effectively, just as well as you always have on $500. And you will find a way. And your business will flourish and so will your profitability because you've taken your profit first. And, and also having... Um, I love how you divided this up, and I was like, yeah, so if you bring in $1,000, is what I was thinking, yep. but, um, and then you said it, but um, so like with the operating expenses, by only having $500, right, at the end of that month or that day or whatever it is, right, when the $1,000 right. comes in, then essentially what you're saying is you've got to sit down and figure out how to, how to run your business, right, and what you yes. can and can't do, so it keeps you really honest and tight about how you do things in your business. You're not like, woo, I'm going to go to this trade show that's $5,000, you know, right, right, because right. you can't afford it. That's exactly right. It, it invokes, but well, what we do here is we reverse engineer our profitability. And what it invokes is Parkinson's law. Parkinson's law says as supply increases, our demand increases, right? <clears throat> now there's a smaller supply, so our demand for it decreases, meaning we're automatically frugal. That's the obvious part. The other part and greater part of Parkinson's law that people aren't immediately aware of is innovation. And what it means is when there's less resources available to us, we actually become more innovative. We find mm -hmm. cool, unique ways to get results. And uh, I'll give you an example of this. Do uh, you ever see the movie Apollo 13 by any chance? Uh -huh. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a true story, Apollo 13. Right. Um, and and what happened in this movie and in real life, the astronauts, this is in the 70s, are, uh, it's during the space race, are uh, circumnavigating the moon to come back to Earth in their capsule. And the pivotal scene of the movie, I mean, the, the whole thing was a disaster from the start. The pivotal scene is the oxygen filters on the capsule are failing. And the astronauts radio down to Houston and say, now, Houston, we got a real problem. Real, <laughs> real problem. We are losing oxygen. We have about 12 hours of oxygen left before we perish. And the return trip was still, you know, days to return to Earth. So what, the, what happened in that scene is, or the next scene is you see the lead engineer in Houston. He carries this big cardboard box. He walks into the room. It still gives me chills just thinking about it. He walks into the room of like six or seven other engineers. He dumps this box on the conference room table and says, these are the parts that are up on that capsule right now. We have 12 hours to making oxygen filter out of these parts. And they did. And then the parts were like, you know, duct tape, toothpaste. It was like this bizarre collection of stuff. Yeah, that right. they, made they MacGyvered it. it. They MacGyvered it. They MacGyvered yeah. <laughs> it. But here's the backstory: NASA spent tens of millions of dollars of our money. You and I can pay taxes 
And the government hired the smartest engineers in the, our country to create an oxygen filter for tens of millions of dollars. And they, they figured it out. They did it, and it worked until it failed. And then they were given $200 of parts and said, you've got to get the same result. And they did. Right. Parkinson's law. Parkinson's law states, if you give more money to a solution, we will automatically find a way to logically and re- quote-unquote reasonably use that money. We will consume mm-hmm. it all because that's what's available. But when nothing is available and we have to get the same result, we do because we have to. Parkinson's right. law. When you see $500 in that operating expense account and not 1000 at first you're going to shudder because you're used to being on that $10 million NASA budget. Now I'm saying, no, you've got to be an innovative engineer. And, and you are, and you have to be. So that's what we do. We give you less money, you become innovative, and you become truly an industry innovator. I mean, you become, right. you, you set a new standard for the industry because you have to find a new way to do things that has never been done before. So ironically, not only does putting profit first help you be more frugal, be more profitable, it actually helps you start growing faster because you find new ways to do things that no one has before. Out of desperation <laughs> and innovation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I don't know if I use the word desperation. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's forced frugality. Right. And exactly. It, exactly. It, and it really does, it, it causes you to think. Money, right. I hate to say this, money dumbs us down. Mm-hmm. I, uh, and please know, like when I talk about, you know, um, entrepreneurs spend money crazily at times and stuff. Whenever I say the word entrepreneurs, I'm really saying myself. Right. <laughs> These are all stories yeah. about me. Like, like yeah. I blew so much money. I, this is no lie. Yesterday, I was speaking at QuickBooks Connect. It's an annual accounting conference. And I was very blessed to be uh, sandwiched in between Tony Hawk and Simone Biles. Uh, she's wow. the one who won the gold. Yeah, yeah she's she's all they, the billions the of gold spoke, medals. Yeah, millions of gold medals. Tony Hawk, the skateboarder. Yeah, I they spoke. Then, then I spoke, and then Shaquille O'Neal closed it out. And <laughs> I, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable for me the privilege. But the the funny thing is the host. Five thousand people in the audience, by the way, is a massive event. Uh, the the host says Mike Michalowicz, uh won the SBA uh, Small Business uh, Entrepreneur of the Year award uh, from the SBA. 20, literally it's over 20 years ago now, 20 plus years ago. He goes, as far as the reward, he was uh, provided a loan of $500,000, which is true. And he says, and he still holds the record to date for blowing that money faster than anyone else ever had. <laughs> and uh, he told me he was going to say that in advance, and it was true. And so I, I want people to know, like, I'm not, I'm not above this or beyond this. I, I, I fall victim to my own behaviors too. Profit First is designed to not change who we are. It's impo- we've been told by uh, our accountants and bookkeepers to change ourselves, change ourselves, just read those statements. We can't change ourselves. It's so hard. Right. But we can put guardrails around our behavior and now make our behavior a powerful asset. That's why we want to use this envelope system. Well, and looking at all those statements is really difficult, like you were saying before. Oh. Most people can't understand them, even with like, you know, me like I've had the same accountant for 25 years and he's just like really you still can't really read all these things I'm like nope just does not compute and I was like but profit first makes total sense to me it's easy right the money comes in and you're like oh I'm supposed to put this much in this account and this much in this account and those things you know dividing works for me (laughs) reading those things and for most people it doesn't it goes in one ear and out the other and 
Like why, True. in a way, when you're an entrepreneur, especially, and you've got this massively creative mind, supposedly, right? And you're right. an innovator, like looking at those kinds of little technical things. I don't know. It just seems like a waste of time for the most part, to me it, at least. It, yeah, it feels that. Yeah, it does feel like a waste of time because, because it's, quite frankly, it's not our interest. I mean, right. of course we want to be profitable, but entrepreneurs usually aren't number detail-oriented people. We're right. usually very persuasive. We believe in our products. We're enthusiastic. We're great salespeople. Uh, that's the definition of entrepreneurship, the ability to persuade and convince people that we have a solution that will serve them. But when it comes to the micro-details, that's not nearly as fun or interesting. Mm-hmm. So we revert to the bare minimum. Let me look at my right. bank balance, make sure things are okay. Right. Um, so... So, so to all of a sudden, you know, I think I, I consider us, if you like Star Trek references, I consider us the Captain Kirks. We're very animated. We, we're a little bit of over-actors. We can't deny it. Uh, mm-hmm. But we're, we're not the Spocks. Right. Our, our accountants are the Spocks. But for us to try to act like a Spock is impossible. So what right. we need to do is have a, a simple guidance system. That's what Profit First is. That works with our behaviors. And then – when a red flag came, comes up, for example, maybe you don't have enough money in your operating expenses to pay your bills. That's a trigger to call your Spock. That's when you get your bookkeeper on the phone with you and say, listen, I don't have enough money to pay my bills according to profit first. What's going wrong here? What am I not doing right? And they go through details. And she comes back to you and says, listen, Sarah, you know, these three or four expenses are, are, are more than your business can afford and really aren't giving you a return. We're ditching these. And let Spock give you the answer when it comes to the technical stuff. Heck yeah. Love me some Spock. Love um, me some Spock. Yeah. I love pointy ears. I love pointy yeah. ears. I'm not, I'm not into the awkwardly tight uniforms, though. That's the one exactly. thing I have to do Exactly. Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, well, so, so how do you withdraw the money? So, so let's say, mm. like, you know, like, so here, here's, a, here's a couple scenarios, right? Let's say you're, you know, either you have a product-based company and you're selling stuff online all the time and you've got, you know, wholesale accounts buying from you. So the money's coming in willy-nilly all the time. Could be twice a day, could be 50 times a day. You, you know, you just never right. know. And then you could be a service provider, right, like you and I, and you get paid for the services, right? So maybe you have recurring money every month from people or, you know, you've got new clients starting and people finishing and, you know, it's all kind of willy-nilly all the time anyway, (laughs) right? Right. You just kind of go with it. So let's just say, I mean, like I know how I did it when, you know, when you and I worked together and I had my, my profit first. But so when, do you still recommend like, Let's say somebody gets, you know, let's say you have 50 internet sales that day, you know, because you've got a product-based company, right? Do you sit down at the end of the day and say, oh, okay, I did $5,000 in sales today minus my, you know, PayPal fees or Stripe or whatever, right? And um, the shipping minus the shipping because I charge them for shipping and I pay the shipping to UPS, right, or something like that. And, And then you see what your actual income was for the product or how do you, how do you figure that out? Great question. So we, we actually want to achieve a rhythm. Uh, kind of what you were explaining is, is how many entrepreneurs behave right now is reactionary, meaning I look at my bank balance. When I have a lot of money in there or enough money, I then look at the stack of bills and pay the bills. And it, it's a peaks and valleys type thing. It, it's, uh, it's kind of like starvation and gorging. With meals, I think a lot of people know that the ideal diet is actually five small meals a day, not three, mm-hmm. 
like we've been prescribed. So, and the reason they say five small meals a day is that way we never build up significant hunger and therefore we never overeat. Because when we're hungry, we, we, we eat more food uh, and can overeat. So what we, with, bank, with our bank account, we do the same thing. We wait until we're hungry. I mean, the bills is piled up. Then there's food. I mean, the income account is, or that one account is filled up, and then we just, we just gobble it all up. What I want you to do, now you have these Profit First accounts set up, is get into a rhythm. Now, we don't have to do this five times a day, uh, but it does translate to two times a month I found to be the perfect rhythm. And what we do is we allow the money to flow into the income account, and then twice a month we take the money that's in the income account and allocate the entire amount out to the different accounts based upon those percentages. So let's say over two weeks, $10,000 is now in your income account. Well, now you'd allocate on that trigger day $1,000 into profit because that was 10%, uh, $2,500 into your pay because that's owner's pay, $1,500 reserved for – yeah, that's nice, right? Every two yeah. weeks, $1,500 reserved for taxes, which sounds a lot, but when, you start, when you're starting to make some real money now through your business, because don't forget, right. you're not only getting $2,500 every, every couple weeks now, you're also getting that profit at the, end of, uh, at the end of each quarter, and that piles up. So you're getting you know, a bonus check of maybe eight or $10,000 every 90 days. So we need to be able to pay for those taxes, so those taxes are reserved. But now we have $5,000 in the operating expenses. This is where you look at your bills and say, okay, I got to pay them with $5,000. If you can't pay your bills, here's the deal. You got to no longer incur those bills. You got to call those vendors and say, listen, I, I actually need to uh, go on a payment plan with you. You got to negotiate it down. You, if you decide, oh, I'm going to borrow, quote unquote, borrow from my profit account or take it from my owner's pay, you defeat the entire envelope system. Right. You're basically right. saying, I'm playing a, playing a shell game. So you yeah. are prohibited from teaching, uh, touching this stuff. So whenever you can't pay your bills, you have to make some calls and, and get terms, but also never incur those bills again. And, and this isn't just the first time you go through it. That will be the most painful. That's kind of like the ice bucket challenge. The first time you do it, it's kind of shocking how much money we spend frivolously and how uninnovative we are. We just do what everyone else does because that's what everyone else does. But as your business continues to grow and go along, you may relapse. My own business, I, I think I've been doing Profit First longer than anyone else on this planet because you know, I made the system. And right. I started it now, I started it in eight, eight years ago. I started doing it in 2008 for myself. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I'm not saying I'm an inventor of something that's never been done before. This is the envelope system. I, I think it's just unique. Your mama was doing really, it. My mama, my mama did it. Yeah. I just think it hadn't been applied to businesses before. Sure, of course. And so, so I've been doing this in my business for eight years and – no joke, this morning I had my uh, call with my bookkeeper, and we went over the numbers where we just did our, our biweekly uh, allocations, and she said, you know what, we don't have enough money to pay your bills. And I'm like, oh, and I let things slip. I decide, oh, we can afford this. We moved into new office space. Oh, we can get that. And I let my, my enthusiasm, right. yeah, and so I, I just got slapped down. Now, listen. I have the money in my profit account. I have the money in order to pay I, in the taxes. I could just pull from there. But if I do that, I defeat the entire system. I defeat the entire system. So uh, this afternoon, I am making calls and telling vendors, hey, uh, we're actually going to be using a lesser service. We're not going to be doing this. We're canceling that. And uh, 
you know, the, we were, were talking about furnishing the office. It's all used furniture we're getting. Uh, you know, I was like, oh, we should get some nice new furniture, deck this place out. Well, we're going to deck this place out, but we're going to deck it out affordably. So it, right. it's a great, it constantly keeps you in check. Mm-hmm. The answer to your question is don't do this ad hoc. Don't do it, you know, whenever you feel compelled to do it, twice a month. In fact, I found there's two perfect days, the 10th of the month and the 25th of the month. Because if we allocate money on the 10th, that money from the income account on the 10th to the uh, accounts, when you pay your bills on the 10th, because your money will now be in the operating expenses, it will arrive at your vendors usually within a few days by the 15th. That's when half our bills are due. When you Mm -hmm. do this process again on the uh, 25th of the month, it will arrive, the checks to your vendors will arrive by the end of the month. So it gets them into a rhythm and, and paying them in terms, which is very important. Right. But I think the greater thing is you also start mastering what's called cash flow analysis through a very simple process. You look at your income account, and for two weeks, money accumulates, and you hit a trigger point where you allocate you know, you, every two weeks. And when you allocate money, you'll see, oh, I have $10,000 in here. Two, two weeks later, you do it again, you say, oh, I have $12,000 in there. Two weeks later, you say, oops, I only have $3,000 in there. 10, 12, why only have three? When, when there's an anomaly, when that money isn't what it's usually, you will notice. And if it's short, you'll be like, oh my God, what's, what's going wrong or what's different or am I experiencing a seasonal change? But it will trigger you to investigate it. Conversely, mm-hmm. if, if there's a lot of money, maybe there's $30,000 in there, one of these periods, it, that feels great. But a trigger will go off saying, what happened? Did I sell really well? Did, did someone just give me a big deposit? But why? And that's the essence of a cash flow analysis. Cash flow analysis, the design is to understand the normal flow of cash and when there's an anomaly to investigate it deeper. And now you no longer have to read a cash flow statement. You just have to read your bank balance. Just log in there right. every, every couple of weeks. Right. Do you, do you recommend, because I know I did this, um, when we worked together for those years, yeah. that every every yeah. every month the I best years down. of your life, by the way, the best the years, best of, years your life. of my life, exactly. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that you you had me write down the monthly income every month, so yeah. on like on an Excel sheet, and then you know you we I excelled out all the different payments, right? So yep. you know I just filled it in so that over six months or eight months or a year, you know whatever we could look. And see, like, you know, oh, did you get some press? Oh, yes, that's why your, you know, income went up that month. Or, you know, you, I don't know, like with my people, maybe they get a celebrity or somebody, you know, right. to, they get a photo with a celebrity and it's in a magazine and then they sell $50,000 worth of stuff. Um, right. Yeah. So that way you can kind of look and make notes about what, what was your, you know, what was, what was going wrong if your money went down and what was happening that was good if your money exactly. went up. Exactly. Now okay. that process, we, we did that a while back. We, I've improved that, and hence the new revised version of Profit First being released. Of course. Uh, so now it's on a cash basis. So I used to say, uh, let's look at how many sales you had. But then came to realize a sale doesn't mean necessarily you get the money. I mean, I hear horror stories of a store placing an order for $10,000 of goods. You deliver the goods, and then the check never shows. Right. And... Um, and so what I've changed from is just, instead of just being sales, I've now moved it to actual cash deposits. Okay, and what, right. Right. So what we do is when we see at the end of these two weeks, before you do your allocation, say there's $10,000 in there, you put in the spreadsheet $10,000 in the day. 
Then two weeks later, you go back, back to that spreadsheet, you put the day, and you put the 12,000 that's in there. And so now we start building a history of it. It, it takes literally about 10 seconds to build out the spreadsheet every two weeks. Right. Now, and we can, then we look at it, and then we put exactly what you said. We look at the events in our business, and we try to correlate it to cash flow. And it, sometimes it's not a direct correlation. Today, the picture of you and your product and that celebrity is in the magazine. And we look at the balance, it's 10,000. Two weeks from now, the balance is maybe now 50 or 70,000, but nothing's happening in the magazines. So the correlation may not be the same day. Mm -hmm. it, there could be an effect. So we need to accumulate uh, this over time for the money, but also the events, and see what's the lead time or the drag time, meaning when something hits, how long is that to drag out before there's a monetary uh, response to it? Right. And uh, that makes total sense. And then, and then how do you decide when, because you mentioned a few minutes ago about your profit account that you pay out every 90 days. Um, your bon your essentially your 10% bonus pay is paid out every 90 days. So do you yes. just clean, you clear that out, you pay that out in full and empty that account every 90 days? So great question. So you don't, and I may have actually for a while said you do that, but I found that rainy days do happen. So mm -hmm. what we're going to do is allocate 50% of what's in there. So here's how it works. Every two weeks now we're allocating money into the owner's pay, tax, profit account. Owner's pay uh, will be used to start compensating us, uh, compensating us on a regular biweekly basis. So that you have money in that account will often get drained, but uh, there's some nuances to it that I want to go into now. It's pretty detailed, but it, it, mm -hmm. it's available uh, if you want. But the profit and the taxes, we don't pay taxes typically every two weeks. That has to be no. held on to and same with the profit. So one little caveat is as that money piles up, it can get pretty tempting because, I mean, we're only human. Sometimes you know, we get pretty hungry for money because it's just been a bad month in sales or something, and now those two accounts, the profit account – and the tax account's been piled up, we want to take it. So to prevent us from doing that, we want to remove temptation. So transfer those money, that money into two accounts at another bank that you don't have regular access to. No to ATM cards, no online mm -hmm. banking. The only way you can withdraw money is by getting a cashier's check from the bank. Really remove the temptation that much. Now, after 90 days, this is a celebration. At the end of each quarter, and I usually do it on a calendar quarter for the businesses I work with, uh, and I don't see a reason to do it at another time. So at the end of the quarter, this next quarter, fourth quarter, ends on December 31st. Mm -hmm. um, on December 31st, you go to that profit account at that remote bank, and whatever money's in there, 50% of it comes out as a distribution, a profit distribution. So let's say there's $10,000 in there. That means 5000 comes out to you, 5,000 stays in the bank. The 5,000 comes out to you is a real simple rule. You can only use it for one purpose, celebration. It is your, this is a reward for you for having the courage to start and build a business. That is no, that's nothing short of a remarkable feat. Mo, almost everyone who tries this fails to achieve profitability. Actually, most people fail to even get the business off the ground. Most businesses right. go out of business. The fact that you got it, you're still in business and you're profitable this is your celebratory account. Now, you may not, under any circumstances, put it back into the business. Because mm -hmm. if you do, if you take that money out from the profit account and say, oh, I can buy more uh, inventory or I can do more of this, you're basically telling your business you can't run off the op operating expense account. You have, to, you have to take from the profit account. Mm 
Right. So you, you start unwinding things by doing it. So when that money comes out, go on that vacation. Um, go out for – do something amazing. Uh, buy that new car. Uh, or, or, or maybe, maybe – you love to save for yourself. Maybe that's what gets you excited and that's how you celebrate. Fine. Put it into your own personal 401k, but as long as you're rewarded from it, that's the key. Right. The, the second piece is this, though. That 5000 that stays in there is for a rainy day fund. It will happen that your business faces a dark day. And you absolutely, before you touch that money, should talk with your accountant or bookkeeper. I think they move from that SPOC model. When using Profit First, they're no longer SPOCs. They now are trainers, like a gym trainer. B- before you pull that money out, talk to them saying, listen, cash flow is down. I, I'm, I need to take this from the profit account, or at least I'm considering doing it. Do you agree, and do you support it, and what should, how should I handle the situation? Mm-hmm. If you get their support, that money is there for a rainy day. But w- one additional thing I want you to know. Say next quarter you contribute – say the business – the revenue stays pretty consistent. So you contribute at the end of the quarter about another five, I'm sorry, another $10,000 to that profit account. Well, we held 5,000 in there. We added 10,000 like we did the prior quarter, but now we're not splitting uh, $10,000. It's now 15,000 cumulative. So now you take out 7,500 and 7,500 stays. And say, say your business stays the same again. Say it's another 10,000 goes in the profit account. Now there's 17,500. So when you do the distribution, you're taking out almost $9,000 this next distribution right. in 9,000 stays. So the, the lesson is that even if our business stays flat for a period of time, about six cycles, a year and a half, every time we take a profit distribution, it will actually continually increase. So we get this positive emotion, even if our business isn't growing, we do see our profit growing. We're achieving the objective we want. And I find that to be a massive motivator for people. I myself cannot wait for the end of the quarter because there's going to be a profit distribution. And that's <laughs> yeah. how every business owner should feel. Yeah, excited. Not yeah, dreaded. Excited. Oh. Right. I mean, because this also – Oh, yeah. Most, dread, you, most right? dread. Most yeah. people dread it. Yeah. Because at the end of the quarter, they say, taxes are due, and I have no money, and oh my God, yeah. how am I going to afford things? But he, here's one other lesson. If, if you or I own stock in a public company, say you and I own stock in Ford, you know, public companies have gotten to their size. They started off small, too. They were working out of a garage, too. They've gotten there in part because of their fiscal responsibility. They've been fiscally smart, and so they deserve to be their size. But when they do their quarterly distributions, and they all do, when they give their stock distribution and say you own 100 shares or something, when you get the check from Ford, you don't look at that check and say, oh, you know, the management team really could do more of this than I can. Let me send it back to Ford and say, good luck, guys. I support you. Here's a plowback. No. You reward yourself for being, having the courage to be an investor, a shareholder in Ford. Right. This is the same for our business. When that, when that profit distribution comes out, we're not going to say, oh, the owners, which happens to you, could do more by you know, investing in the business. No, this is your reward. This is your reward for being an owner. So act just like it's any other shares in any other company. It's a reward for you for being an investor in that business. Heck yeah, and for working twice as hard as anybody else does when it is your own business. Yeah. Too, yeah. Right? It's funny, you know, yeah. What, uh, yeah, you, you, you work like an animal to get off the ground. And you know, the funny thing is some people are like, well, Mike, you know, being a business owner, you're, you're, you, you make so much money on these profit distributions. Shouldn't other people get the profit distributions? I'm like, yeah, they should start a business themselves. I, I think right. the entire world should do it. I think it's a great opportunity. And if they don't want to start a business themselves, do what 
uh, people do with Ford. Invest in the stock. I'll sell my stock. I, I would love to take a million dollars or whatever the number is. You know, I get some investors in my business. And they have a profit distribution. That's how it works. So when people hear this, then it starts clicking, saying, okay, this is truly a word a reward for having the courage and the drive to start a business or the courage and drive to invest in a business. That's what exactly. the profit goes to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mike, thanks so much. I know you have to go get on another interview now. Yeah. I'm mindful of the time. But I just wanted Good to say it. thank you so much. And Mike is, gonna, is uh, happy to give a copy of all four of his books in a beautiful little package to whoever mm-hmm. posts this podcast the mostest all over the internet and social media and sends me screenshots of it. So go ahead, post this everywhere, share it, uh, do what you do, and uh, you'll be the proud winner of all four of Mike's books, and I'm sure he will sign them for you too. Oh, yeah, autograph the entire library. And actually, it will boil down uh, probably – I'll get you all five because the new one's coming out. It's probably first revised. I'll get you the original two. The revised version is a fully rewritten, brand new book. Um, so you'll have both the the kind of the raw original edition, which is really cool and edgy, and the new one, which is polished and more finished. But you'll be able to see it from both sides. So you'll get five books. Awesome! You're the you rock. Cool. Thanks, Mike. Really appreciate <laughs> it. This was really educational. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. All right. Thanks for tuning in to a Street Smart MBA with Sarah Shaw. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes anytime, anywhere. And we'll see you on the next one.